You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So we solicited for your Twitter questions once again, and we're, we're going to incorporate some of the ones that you guys asked here, and I'm going to let you guys know in advance. I also went back because we've been flooded with questions recently. I've grabbed some from the last couple episodes, too, where we just weren't able to get around to them. And I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get to as many of these as we can. Uh, so the first question we have here is uh, from one of our loyal listeners, Dr. Mark Klee. He's also a big Tolo listener to 105.3 The Fan. And uh, Dr. Mark has, a, I think, a really good question, specifically for something you've talked about, Brian. He says, you guys have talked about how Tyron is always getting rolled up by other linemen. Yeah. Is there mm-hmm. something specifically that makes Tyron more vulnerable to that, or is that just bad luck? I think that's bad luck because a lot of times, and and it's just Tyron does a really nice job, Doc, of being able to keep his guy at the line of scrimmage or keep him. When he keeps guys wide, it kind of gets him away from that, from the clutter of what happens. But these linemen, when you got inside twists and all that and passing guys and stuff, and all it takes is a defensive lineman or an offensive guard center to get knocked down and then fall behind him. And then you see him get bent back where they fall on his ankle. You know, he's had some really, really bad luck when it comes to people being on the ground and then him maintaining his block. And then all of a sudden he gets bent back and, that's something that, that 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 he's had to deal with, but he's just so good at keeping his guy at the line. And then all of a sudden, others around him start to fall apart, and they're on the ground, and then it's a problem. Can I throw out a rosy, sunshiny, optimistic, borderline conspiracy theory for you? Go ahead. Is it possible that that's been part of why they're bringing Tyler Smith along so slowly at guard? Is because this is a guy who hasn't been playing guard, and yeah. do they want to risk him getting in there, not having the proper footwork right away, and then tripping up and rolling up on Tyron Smith in offseason practices. I think that I think with Tyler Smith that I haven't seen him, you know, and they always during practice, Bobby, you know, I'll be watching practice along the fence, and someone will go, you know, stay up, stay up, stay off the ground, stay up. You know, and you're like, okay, I get it. So, you know, it's always when it's like a young guy that gets tired in practice and stuff like that. But to your theory, I see Tyler Smith with a pretty good base, pretty powerful guy. So kind of powerful guys like Zach Martin, powerful guys, they don't get knocked on the ground very much. You know, they have that good solid base. So if if we get to practice and Tyler Smith is flopping around all over the place, then I'm going to look to you and I'm going to say, okay, I, your theory probably is going to work out here. But I, I'd like to believe that he that Tyler Smith is strong enough in his base to keep off the ground and maybe protect Tyron Smith here. We've got a question here. Connor Williams. Connor Williams was bad. That was saying Connor Williams. I go. Connor Williams was bad for Tyron Smith because of how he lacked power, and then you get knocked off balance, and you get knocked on the ground, 
and then now there's problems. That's that's the kind of issues that you have with Tyron Smith. That, I'm, I'm just trying to be a sunshiny optimistic. Maybe that's why they have Connor mm. McGovern there early. The, like you know, yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to explain it away, Brian. I, I don't. I, don't. I, I that's the first <laughs> those the first three practices. That's exactly what I'm going to focus on. Is uh, one of the many things is that left guard spot. I like this question here from JD. He says the Cowboys seem to have a few of those linebacker safety bodies, but no true backup to hooker at free safety. Is Tyler Coyle really the backup there, or would they play Wilson and adjust coverage accordingly? Or is that a body to be added yet? I was really impressed recently by Tyler Coyle at he was, yeah, practices. Yeah. And I was just, you know, I'd never even really looked at his athletic testing. Pretty impressive. Six feet, yeah. 209, 33-inch arms, 4'4", 140. You've got a 39-inch vertical, 11-1 broad. And this is a guy who is a free safety who did 24 bench reps. So yeah. a really tremendous athlete, and I think it flashed in these practices. So that could be a case where Tyler Coyle could be in the mix for potentially a roster spot here. No, absolutely. And a lot of this is going to come down to we need to keep an eye on how Bones Fossil sets his special teams. Usually at practice, you know, when they go to special teams, it's everybody stand around and talk to their buddies and that kind of thing. We need to pay attention to who's playing uh, – personal protector who's playing at the uh, inside his blockers on the punt team, who are the flyers, you know, those kinds of things. If all of a sudden we look out there, number 31 is getting a lot of reps with on the kickoff team, on the punt team, on the punt return team, and things like that, then the plan would be, I think, to give him the fair opportunity to see if he could be the backup free safety on this team. Greg Burnett asks, a wide receiver developing timing and rhythm with the quarterback is important. Brian mentioned that a veteran wide receiver may not be addressed until deeper into training camp. Discuss how this might affect the effectiveness of a wide receiver the first few weeks when the boys need him the most. And this is a really interesting and good question, I think, where you're looking at, hey, we need a receiver now until we get healthy. Well, if you're waiting until later and they don't have time for Dak to to get in rhythm with them, that's why I think when we talked about receivers last week, that's why I think a – a good way to potentially monitor this and go, okay, who makes sense is find as as little a learning curve as possible. And so that might mean finding somebody that these coaches are familiar with or, or players that are familiar with the scheme so that then the connection is one of the only things you have to worry about. No, you're right about that. And I, you know, I, I do believe the first week we're out there practice again, as we go through, you will see if the offense becomes very stagnant and has trouble moving and it appears the defense is winning every rep. We'll see the one-on-one stuff. You know, there's going to be a week to 10 days where Will McClay, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, Mike McCarthy, the staff, is going to evaluate, like, we need a receiver now. You know, now maybe, you know, the, my hope is, like, your hope is that Washington steps up, but you don't need – just they can't afford to have any receivers get hurt. I mean, they've already got, you know – They've already got the situation where, you know, they're they're trying to get Michael Gallup well, and and hopefully they'll keep him off the PUP list you know, to start the season and all that. But somebody's going to have to step up, and all of a sudden, if they're, you know, they're the worst not the worst nightmare for an offensive coach is that you get a bunch of wide receivers, and then all of a sudden they're all banged up because of tight hamstrings and they can't practice and all that. Now you're getting guys off the street. And Dak's trying to throw the guys off the street, and there's no continuity with the offense. And then you got Tampa Bay around the corner. You know that's that that's just is a nightmare situation. I believe they will address it 
quicker than they will later, to be honest with you. Wayne Pimpton asks, can John Ridgeway be what Brent Urban was supposed to be? Seems like that's the only real dart that they threw at bettering the run defense. I think Ridgeway is absolutely somebody that they're hoping can step in and contribute in, in terms of stopping the run. I think they're also hoping for Quentin Bohanna to take a step up. But I think an interesting aspect to Ridgeway outside of just the run defense, we'll talk about that, but I do want to take the opportunity to say, I think they they really like what he's bringing to the culture here too and, and bringing to the locker room. I think that Ridgeway is a guy that, that they're really planning on being here for a while, but absolutely I think a big part of that's going to be his run defense. You watched him play at Arkansas. There were plenty of times where Southeastern Conference centers, he would play nose up on guys and just ragdoll centers and throw guys out of the way, you know, and he's a, he was a difficult guy to move. He's, he's a big, strong guy. And, you know, he, he makes his share of those plays right at the line of scrimmage. That's all you can ask for. You know, if he's a guy that can hold up blockers, allow Parsons, Van Der Esch, Cox, anybody else that's playing to run to the ball and those blockers don't get off that, that you would love that. But you watched him play at Arkansas. You understood very quickly how he was able, you know, to control the middle. There was some really outstanding nose tackles in this past draft, and I felt like that. I, I know I had a third round grade on him myself because I felt like that he was a really that powerful player that can control the point of attack, and that's what you need in this day and age of football. At Astute Fanatic asks, what are the, and this is the kind of discussions we're getting into right now, guys, because we're, we're in the dead zone, all right? What are the way too early 2023 draft needs taken into consideration, foreseeing cuts, trades, contract expirations? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Might be running back. Running back? You know, is, I, mean, well if you think, I mean, if you think about, I mean, you lose, if you lose, say, Zeke, because of the contract situation, you maybe move on. Pollard with that situation as well. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing a position out there. I know you can immediately lose some guys along the way. You know, that that would be so you might how about cornerback? What's the situation? Yeah. With, I haven't looked at the, you know, with with you know, with Brown. I mean, is he in the last Brown, year of his Brown, deal, I believe? Brown is expiring. Him. Lewis will have one year left after this year. Yeah. And the yeah. guys behind him, you're not sure about Nashawn Wright yet. You're not sure about yeah. Kelvin Joseph. So I think corner's gonna be high up there. I think running back's a good one. And then I think they'll probably evaluate and go, where's the offensive line week? We need to figure that's, that out. That's where I, I I would think that maybe the situation, because, you know, it's maybe too early to say that Josh Ball, but I, I'm not hearing good things about Josh Ball. No. Uh, well, let's go. I, I'm interested to see. I thought there were some good practices that he had, but the very last one I saw him, he was not as good as he needed to be. I'm hopeful that a lot of these young guys – after the OTAs and the minicamp, everybody else goes on vacation. But those young guys stay in town and work out. They get them in better shape. So my hope is when we get to Oxnard that you see that, well, let's go ball. You know, we'll see. But I, I, I think you're absolutely right about uh, what's going on with the offensive line. That could be, you know, that could maybe be in a couple spots. You never know what's going to happen at center. You kind of feel like they got a guy, you know, the left side guy with Tyler Smith and stuff like that. But, you know, maybe that's a maybe some other positions there as well. 
Brandon asks, uh, speaking about center, uh, Brandon asks, should we be speaking about Farniok more at a center guard role like Looney had? His tape last uh, against Philly last season was really strong. I know it's a small sample. Yeah. He did play impressive against Philadelphia. It was reserves, obviously, yeah. but played well against Philadelphia. I know they like his toughness. I know they like his work habits during the offseason. And when we talked to Joe Philbin during the draft show on DallasCowboys.com, I know Philbin had brought up, well, that was one of the people he highlighted, is like, that's a guy who's been in here working a lot. Yeah. And so I think yeah. Farting Hawk very well could be part of their plans for the future. I think he'll be one of those guys that kind of surprises you. But again, I I look at, uh, you know, I, I look at Tyler Biotish, and I think that Biotish is going to be one of those players that, that, that you know, he started poorly last season and then got better. I think he's a more confident player now. I I'm never going to compare him to... Travis Frederick, but I will say I think he's a more confident player. I don't know he is physically big enough, but he's a good enough athlete. But I'm looking forward to the competition with Farniok and see if he, in fact, can push him for – I really do feel like that if they had to go for a backup, maybe for a backup center, I've heard some whispers about uh, about Connor McGovern getting some a lot more work at center. Yeah, so we'll see if that happens in, in Oxnard. Yeah, McGovern had has been taking some of these reps alongside uh, Biotish, Marcus Jones, uh, the second year guy out of Houston, and right. Matt Farniok. So they've been, they've definitely been trying to to workshop this and, and figure it out. So I mean, I think they'd like somebody to unseat Biotish. I just don't know that they have the guys on the roster right now to do yeah. it. And and so they're going to create competition where they can. But I think it's in all likelihood you're looking at Biotish. Well, yeah, and Alec Lindstrom was a guy. We I mean, yeah. he was not even a guy that did anything. And I I I know I had a. I think it was a fifth, sixth round grade on him coming out of Boston College. A little bit of an undersized guy, but we didn't see him at all no. uh, in OTAs or mini camps at all. Well, and remember, we've talked about this. The thing they feel like Biotish lacks is is the football IQ. Uh, not right. not that he's a, a de- but they want a high IQ quarterback of the offensive line. Undrafted free agent who potentially we should watch. We didn't see much of him out at these practices though. James Empey from BYU that they yeah. signed. That's a guy who that was his entire thrust, people talked about how smart he was. And so I think that that's somebody to at least consider. A couple more questions here, and then we'll wrap it up. JJ asking, and I think you've asked around on this, Brian, you should have, uh, I think you have some insight. Are we underestimating how soon Michael Gallup will be available to the Cowboys this year? Yeah, and I can I can read verbatim if I said that the right way about (laughs) what what I was told. And because I I was, I mean, my own eyes were were showing – you know, were showing me that Michael Gallup looked like he was getting ready to run the 55 meters in college. He was the you know, the way he bounced, the jumping up and down, the the alternating steps and things like that. And I, w- I was told that, you know, Gallup is is doing very well, but the timetable likely the same. Okay, and we were talking about one or two games potentially there. The, the thought is that they're hoping that we're close enough at the final cuts that he wants to keep him alive and not remain on pup and, but we'll have to see. So, you know, that's, that's what, you know, the, the pup list would make it. And I had to go back and I know we probably said this on the show. Yeah. The pup list is now four games and not six. Yeah. So if they, if in fact he has to stay on pups, he'll be gone the four games, but the hope from the training staff is that they can keep him off pup, maybe carry him that week one. And then we'll see what happens in week two against Cincinnati. 
Last question here from Randall Walker at Randy Walker 21 with training camp coming soon. Can you share any fun stories from previous camps? I'll tell you my fun story. And it wasn't really a fun story. It was my first camp in Oxnard in 2019 where everybody's like, Oh, it's so nice. It's like high seventies or whatever. And nobody told me that that is the most blistering 70 degree sun ever. And so even though I'd put on some sunscreen, I ended up like wiping it off, I guess from sweating and I didn't reapply any. I have never been burned that bad. I looked like the new Texans helmet, the the yeah. bright red one. I, re- I remember this was like two years ago, yeah, twenty nineteen. Yeah, twenty nineteen. I remember. I remember you walking around. I was being, brutal. Uh, yeah, like you looked like a grape. Uh, uh, like it, you were kind of purplish red. It was bad yeah. enough that everybody I passed said something to me about it. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, like it was that noticeable. Brian, uh, here in the last minute, what's what's a, a fun story that stands out to you? You know, my, my favorite thing about camp is the interaction you have with other media members there too, you know, and we get to watch practice and, you know, we all kind of have ideas and you, I love the exchange of ideas of what people are seeing. I love the fact I'm going to get to room with you at, at, at camp and we can exchange ideas. Love working with your colleague, Jane Slater on stuff. You know, there's 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 so many things that involve and go around camp and, I love to be able to walk after practice to a talk to a coach, talk to a scout. You get a Jerry Jones, you get a Will McClay, you get somebody, you know, to kind of fill you in. It's the best situation you could ever imagine to work and learn about a football team. And the weather, like you said, it's, it is warm. That sun, when it gets up, but when you're in the shade, it's kind of, kind of cold in that shade. But I, I do love the interaction that we have with all the other media members there. But the fact that you get to watch practice every day and evaluate that, that's the best time to me right there. It, this, this job in the NFL, it'd be a great gig if you didn't have to play games. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you could just go out, you could draft, you could practice, we could go to Oxstar. Oh, hey, we look like a good team on paper. But uh, but you do have to play the games, and that's that's the fun thing about it. Once this journey starts, and we're, and we're really, really close, Bob. We are really, really close to being out there and getting this thing going right on the doorstep and uh we'll be out there in california and we're gonna try and make this as as, you know personal an experience for you guys as we can we want you to feel like you're right out there with us and so we'll do our best to accomplish that uh for brian broadus i am bobby belt we appreciate you listening to the love of the star and we will talk to you again next week